When Thomas Jefferson wrote to Meriwether Lewis to send him out on his way, he said these words, the object of your mission is to explore the Missouri River and such principal stream of it as by its course and communication with the waters of the Pacific Ocean, which may offer the most direct and practicable water communication across this continent for the purposes of commerce. Now, you and I know there's no water between the Missouri River and the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> And what Mary Weather Lewis and Lewis and Clark found was not a river, but a mountain range, the Rocky Mountain Range. And all the canoes they had brought and all of their skills in navigating waters were not going to help them get to the Pacific Ocean. And this moment in history feels a little bit like that kind of moment, doesn't it? It's the kind of moment that futurist Bob Johansson calls VUCA. Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. I feel like the last few months too. <laughs> or as Todd Bolsinger says, the world in front of us is nothing like the world behind us. Being in the world right now requires something that organizational development experts call adaptive challenge, adaptive change. Adaptive challenges are challenges that go beyond the resident experts or the best practices or the current knowledge. Adaptive challenges demand, in the words of Todd Bolsinger, that leaders make hard choices about what to preserve and what to let go. They are challenges that require people to learn and to change that require leaders to experience and navigate profound loss. Sounds fun, huh? This last Sunday is our, um, this last Sunday of June is our last Sunday in a month of talking about why it matters, building a more loving world, and talking about who we are as a church and where we're going. And this morning, I really wanna speak about how who we are is just as important as what we are. Who we are is just as important and perhaps more important than what we are. So would you pray with me? Oh God, as we look at a world without maps ahead of us, we're so aware that we need your spirit to live within us and to be our guide. So this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the churches in Galatia were also uh, experiencing an adaptive challenge. No one had yet fully figured out, maybe we still haven't, how to be a community in the way of Jesus. But it was really new at that point. Should they become Jewish? Should the men be circumcised? Should they eat kosher? Should they follow all of the purity laws? Or should they just throw it all off? And what happens when we have different ideas and different senses of what is right 
What do we do then? And it's into this problem that Paul is writing in the book of Galatians. Paul is totally frustrated with them because they're using these outward issues to define their faith rather than allowing themselves to be transformed and to discern their way through these issues from the inside out. They're using their freedom to hurt each other rather than to love each other. In, the in their struggle to define who and how they would live together and who and how they would be the presence of Christ together, they got attached to their opinions rather than to Christ. And Paul says that instead of loving their neighbors as themselves, they would, as Joni read, bite and devour each other. So he encourages them instead to live by the Spirit, to find a freedom that does not make them free to hurt each other, but free to love each other. And how would they know that they were doing that? Well, it gives them a checklist, what we now know is the fruit of the Spirit. You probably learned it in Sunday school if you grew up in Sunday school. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the measure by which we know we're in the groove of the Spirit or not. A few years ago, there was a New Yorker cartoon that I love and um, think about a lot. Um, it's a group of people are all sitting there, and the speaker says, who wants change? And everyone raises their hand. And then the speaker says, who wants to change? And everyone folds their arms. And this last month is we've been talking about where we're called to go and how we want to meet this time as a church. I've been inviting us to be a church who is willing to risk, to meet this moment, to lean into the adaptive change. But we should hold the message of this cartoon close to our heart as we think about that. An exciting vision is one thing. Changing is another. An exciting vision is one thing, and changing is another. These words from Paul become relevant for us today and will continue to be relevant for us moving forward. How are we moving through the inevitable change and challenges that being church in this time of change means? How, where are we getting in our own way? How can we actively resist what Paul says, this list of jealousy, anger, strife, quarrels, dissensions, and factions. These things that Paul calls out are what my friend Portia calls the little foxes in the vineyard. They're the little things that eat away at community. The things that are deadly to, to our sense of calling and to being together. And Paul asks us to resist them actively, to tend to our spiritual lives, to remember why we're following Jesus, why we're committed to building a more loving world. And as Paul says, this is not just about being nicer to each other. It's not just about putting band-aids over disagreements or not having good and real conversations. 
This is about changing from the inside out, about allowing the challenges that we face in our lives, in the world, in our relationships, and in the church to transform us to be more in the image of Jesus, to, to increasingly embody love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Looking at this passage, commentator William Harkins says, one must ask what one is being freed up to do. Freedom from the constraints of bondage must be freedom for a particular purpose. As we face the challenge of this season, we declare not only that we are free, but we also ask, what are we free to do? As others feel the constriction of freedom by the economy, by the rulings of the Supreme Court, by the ongoing pandemic, by the multitude of things facing our society right now, we are invited to ask ourselves, where am I free to love? I think this is one way that our society, American society in particular, has been so um, misguided by organized religion and by the American form of Christianity. We've really lost the, the transformational nature of what faith is meant to do in our lives. We started to equate it with dogma, with form, with buildings, and as we are seeing in our nation, even political parties. And this leaves no room for, for true faith and transformation, for real engagement in the deep life of the spirit and how it's meant to change us and how it calls us to be even in places of disagreement. And it's not that the structures are not important because they are, but they are not the substance of our faith. And they're not what our faith relies on. And when we mistake one for the other, we tend to become rigid and resentful. And I think this is what Paul is speaking of when he contrasts the flesh and the spirit in this passage. It's not that our actual flesh and body is bad. It's the over-attachment to the externals in our lives and in our world that prevent us from the life in the spirit. And we so easily mix up those two because we're told Christians believe this or this is, this is what you do or this is what you should, you, how you should vote if you're a person of faith. Or we think the church has to be a certain way in order to be church. And so we get attached to these things rather than going deep in the life of the spirit to taking that moment of engagement and prayer and quiet and reflection, and listening, and compassion. It's interesting to see that so many think freedom means doing whatever you want. Freedom with our firearms. Freedom to wear a mask on our face or not. Freedom to make choices that exclude and harm others. But freedom in Christ is freedom to love. Freedom to see one another. Freedom to sacrifice my comfort 
for your well-being. Freedom to listen to the voice of someone who may seem other than me and to take them in. The freedom of Christ allows us to love each other. Harkins also says in his commentary, the harsh debates and infighting among the young Christians in Galatia were outward and visible signs of an ongoing enslavement. And then uh, Carol Holtz-Martin writes, Christ's perfect freedom engages us in a call that carries obligation to neighbors as well as to God to invest ourselves in a community of faith, to put up with the sandpaper of fellow congregants' wearisome ways against the rough edges of our own unholiness. I love that last image. To put up with the sandpaper of, yellow, of fellow congregants' wearisome ways against the rough edges of our own unholiness. You hear the humility and the listening and the willingness to engage in that. So where do you, where do we, where do I show ongoing signs of enslavement? Where are the rough edges of our own unholiness? How might this season of our lives, and I admit it's coming from all places right now, from all directions, be inviting us deeper into the freedom to love? I am so excited about what is ahead for our congregation in the coming weeks and months. It's been so fun to, to share that with you this, this last month and to, to hold those little pieces of glass in our hand and to pray for our future together. And I'm also so aware of how delicate the future is in our lives and in our world. But as we move forward together, we don't want to, to run over each other, nor do we want to be held back by each other. We want to, first and foremost, stay close to the Spirit, be committed to a freedom that allows us to love each other, to love those in our lives, to love our world through this time. The future may be uncertain, but our freedom to love is secure. Amen. I'd like to invite Mary Liz to come and play for us for a moment as we reflect. Also to invite you uh, to give as you are able. There's um, an offering plate in the back as you leave or you can give online. Thank you for your really generous response this last month as uh, we've been looking to close out our fiscal year. Um, we're really excited that we've raised already um, over $90,000 to help us close confidently, but we still just invite everyone to give to help us move forward and finish strong together. <laughs> 